I want you to feel like you have a place in the world. And that's, I think, the the the, the hard thing that makes us detach from one another, you know, like, and, and especially now, especially as isolated as we are all feeling, to connect again is to is to is to wade through the the scary stuff you know and because we're all kind of frankly a little terrifying if you got to know what we're all actually like i don't think we'd like each other all that much you know like but we 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 manage we try you know we we do our best uh maybe maybe not i don't know i think we'll <laughs> yeah Darwin. you're gonna say oh wow darwin's trolling me because you do not believe in the idea of GDP and aggregate demand. Listen, you are a hundred percent wrong here. I know you don't like I'm it. Telling you, I'm telling you to start thinking about reality and not what you want to be true. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to Lofty Darwinism. We are back. It is uh, Christmas Eve Eve of 2020. We are almost done with this year. We are through the final episode of The Mandalorian. Uh, we have returned a Jedi, so to speak. Uh, spoiler alert to those who have not watched it. This entire uh, time is going to be a spoiler alert. Um, and I, I want to talk to Darwin. We'll, we'll get into politics, obviously, of course. And um, But I, I have liked that we've gone more into pop culture. And Darwin's an artist. Darwin's a director. Darwin's going to create long-form features at some point, may create a miniseries, all sorts of stuff like that. And the question I had for him was, What's the validity or the thing I want to explore? Not really a question. The thing I want to explore, what's the validity of critiques, you know, after the first viewing, midstream of a series, after multiple viewings, you know, and, and which should we be focused on? And what brought me to this thought beyond our conversations was there are two podcasters who I hope to have on in the future who are doing a readback of a book that I've loved, a book series I've loved called The Inheritance Cycle, Aragon. It's a dragon series or whatever and they're they're just podcasting out of ignorance as i watch them go through a story i understand and and to hear the <laughs> critique and, and they know they're doing it right like they know they're doing it and and like they're making guesses and i know and what they're criticizing on pacing and it's like i know how this ends and i'm hearing their critique and i'm like what is the validity? I mean, there's a whole piece of work there. How should art be judged? You know, when is the right judging? I think it is an interesting question. I mean, you're kind of asking the easy stuff, you know, like the harder stuff is like, what is it to critique a season of the Mandalorian until the entire show has run its course? And what if it, what if it goes on for 14 seasons, you know, like a character that you thought might've had some special meaning to you in one context that might get ripped out of context in a future season. Maybe that person's a villain. Maybe you right. misunderstood it, you know, um, it, whenever, like, my favorite show of all time is easily Twin Peaks, The Return, um, okay. which is 18 episodes long. And I remember, like, my older brother and I are, you know, such fans of that show. We have texted just straight numbers at each other for, like, pages and pages of texts for years after since we've seen it. But he was 13 episodes in to an 18 part series. And he, that was only when he started to, to say, you know what? There might be something to this, you know, like, because once you shift into a frame that allows you to view the art a certain way, a lot of the stuff that came before retroactively looks better. I think the same is true of breaking bad, where I feel like the early seasons to me were felt overhyped, but by the end of it, it sails it in so smoothly that a lot of the earlier seasons look stronger in, you know, like perspective because I just had assumed the show was going to end up being more uh, predictable than it became. And so because it was not predictable, because it went in, un, you know, like in, in crazy places, I felt like the decisions they'd made in early seasons, which, which I thought were more standard television looked more motivated by character and decision and storytelling rather than, you know, just uh, wrote, um, uh, you know, like uh, obligatory storytelling, you know, and which brings us to season two of yeah. The Mandalorian. Which I want to, yeah, so, let's, so, so um, you know, I, I loved it. And, and even before I came into this, this comes to the whole, I, I thought it was a good season. But again, I have a different context to this season than Darwin does. 
Can it work on both of our levels? Do both of our contexts have validity to why we care about it? So for example, before we came on, I just watched two episodes, the first two episodes of season four um, of Rebels, which is set around the um, Rogue One timeline in between the two. And it's, a, it's a whole series. And it's, it's two sets of Mandalorian episodes where they're trying to get back Mandalore. They realize it's broken. There's a, it's all part of what's all been in this season, right? But you wouldn't have had to know any of this. It just makes this season richer to me. And watching Bo-Katan, who is now a character in The Mandalorian, you know, in her first turning down the Darksaber, giving away, be like, I'm not ready to rule the first time. Like, how did she get here? I want to know how she got from there to where she is here, right? But my question is, if you've never known this, did they make her and that interesting enough to care regardless? At all, and that gets his question. Well, I, I, I. First of all, I think that uh, Katie Sackhoff is so weird looking with that hair. Like, you know, well, it's it a, was, okay, but it's the only realistic <laughs> one with a helmet. It's the only realistic helmet hair in the show. So maybe we can't say it's. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the only hair hair that would make sense. Because like. Pay, like, like Timothy Oliphant came he, out he, with he, he, perfect he, hair in S episode one. Perfect. Look, I, I think that what I like about The Mandalorian, because we've gone back and forth, right? And I absolutely, right. truly despise the new trilogy. Um, you know, I find it completely forgettable and unnecessary and and almost almost like placing alongside like the matrix sequels in terms of i like it was like a negative hit on the canon um not a big fan of a lot of the one-offs but we both liked rogue wad rogue uh squadron rogue one rogue, rogue one. one rogue yeah. squadron's coming did you okay. watch solo yet uh, I started it, but again, like, you know, like I, okay. So let me give my piece real fast. Okay, I, okay, I felt like, you know, like we talked about this the other night, you know, like I, I feel like it's going in the direction of Marvel where they're just cranking out so much content and in specific, they're putting so much fan service in it that you're, it's kind of eroding the capacity for the st- series to be a story and to be a successful, you know, like surprise, which is, I think what, what held down the trilogy now, The Mandalorian has escaped that for me. It has been a solid show that um, has has genuinely delivered from a storytelling perspective. And I think that one of the reasons it did that, and one of the things I like about original Star Wars in general, is it's not perfect. It's not trying to be perfect. Not everything makes sense, and not everything even has to make sense. The, the nature of the storytelling, the genre of the storytelling, in the original trilogy, it was all samurai. And what was coexisting in the samurai genre back in the 60s and 70s? Um, it was spaghetti westerns. It was, it w- and, and the Mandalorian knows that it's a western. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, you take a character like Katie Sackhoff, who, no, I don't think she was all that interesting, but did that, did that erode my viewing experience? Not completely, you know, because the story was brisk enough and moving forward enough, you know? Right. Like, now, because here's the thing. You said a word I want to discuss. Fan service, because I don't think necessarily that was fan service, though I do think a lot of the, the trilogy... The newest trilogy looks like fan service and at the time was fan service. But the thing is, is there's actually a lot of holes in the story to be filled. And that's actually what they're doing. And like Filoni is filling holes in the universe and exploring because it's an infinite universe, right? There's a lot of place to go. So I think the line that they're going to have to deal with, and this is, is like, I do want to know Bo-Katan's story, not because I need to be serviced as a fan to see Bo-Katan. It's because there's questions about what she is doing, right? There are questions about what Ahsoka is doing in my world because I know her story. I'm not trying to be serviced because I need to see Ahsoka on screen. She has unfinished questions. And as long as they can build unfinished questions in these characters and when they bring them back, you know, or they do what they do with Bill Burr and make them like a, they just he just nails his moments uh, and may become a, a character in the future. I think that's going to be different, right? And, and I don't know how they're going to balance that, but maybe the difference will be that they don't have 22 episodes a season to do and they can keep it at eight, right? Mm-hmm. They're not. Well, but also, here's the other thing about, like, fan service. And you're saying, like, you know, like, like there are all these holes that need to be filled because, yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of like... 
Yeah, like when you when you introduce things and you raise questions, you want to know the answer to those questions. But yeah. as Spock said it best, having is often not so pleasing a thing as wanting. It is not logical, but it is often true. Right. And 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 so in that regard, I do actually think some of this canon stuff that you recognize that I don't actually is nice to be in my shoes because it's it's large questions that are not like underlined and answered in a way that is actually kind of nice because I think having an air of mystery, having an air of, um, you know, like what does this mean? And look, here, here's ultimately season one was better than season two, but I will say that season two was good enough that I feel like it's proper to us assess seasons one and two as one large story, you know, like, and in many ways I would love it if the Mandalorian ended right in this moment like there's a time and a place like there's 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 you know you can never know you know like what if lost had ended after two seasons that would have been a much better show in retrospect but you know it kept going you wanted to know the answers and then the more you got told the answers you were like oh that's not nearly as interesting as the mysteries you know (laughs) i hear you and so the difference is like i'm not looking for an ending Right, because I'm looking for gap filling, which I feel is a very different search and a very different outcome. Right, if I'm looking for an ending, which is part of why the trilogies, the, the newest trilogy was so shitty, it was because they had to end it as opposed to like, and they were looking for like a place where there's like a Return of the Jedi level like conclusion, and like the real truth is that's just not how the world works. Right, some seasons should end like season two of the Mandalorian. Some should end like season one. Like some times the, the stories are left untold. And so for me, there's a lot of stories left untold that are gaps to be filled things. I'm just so looking forward to the same way. And the question is, can you still like game of Thrones? If all you ever did was watch the TV show. And I think the answer is yes, because it was well done. And as long as they can keep it, at least at that level, because even the thing is just because season eight wasn't as good as all the other seasons, it was still a shit ton better than a lot of other stuff on TV and well, yeah. well fun oh, oh, than yeah. anything no, else. I, I, I think, think like, like, I think it people was so were fun. so hard so on the fun. eighth season unnecessarily. I, th- I thought it was not necessarily what I wanted, but it was not nearly as bad as I feel like the kind of like accepted, like, uh, nor- you know, a- a- assumption about it is. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. Like the way that the Mandalorian ended was a solid note. It was. It reminds me of like the Empire Strikes Back, where there is still very much this larger battle to be waged, and what you see is not the every single string tied together. But our heroes have escaped, have emerged, have found this new light. You know, like it's it's like, and 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 I will say, I mean, look. When you talk about fan service, it's like what I, what I don't like about fan service is kind of what I was saying earlier. Sometimes it's good to leave mysteries, mysteries, um, but also it, it, it just it I think dis- distracts from the capacity to tell a new story. But I think that there was the moment at the end of the you know like of of the Mandalorian season two where Luke comes in and he's been digitally altered to look like the character from your childhood is such a shocking emotional reaction I almost burst into I tears cried. I was crying you know yeah I mean I I cried too I like it was it was absolutely magical to see yes it and was it, it felt like some kind of like. I imprinted on the kind on on the Mandalorian like Luke had come as the white savior to save but, these but people, the th- you know. But here's like, the thing: and, is it, it also made the most logical sense in the broader universe to fans who care about? Yeah, that. yeah, right? and that, that is right. And and look, you're right in in one in one sense, like. It, sometimes you can tell how logical the underlying universe is. Like, even if you never learn what the... Like, that's what makes David Lynch so amazing. Like, I, I always say this to people. David Lynch is not making a dream sequence. David Lynch is making Star Trek, and he's just not telling you any of the rules. But as you start to learn more about it, you learn that, yes, there are, in fact, rules, and those rules are actually quite specific. And I did feel that watching The Mandalorian it did seem like 
a lot of these things had a larger logic to them underneath so that you weren't just being like thrown fuzzy characters every every week but there was some sort of like actual machination of design moving and, through it and and the other thing like and, and and that's why context is for me matters so much is like this is nine years after the battle of yavin or the battle of yavin this is this is peak like when we last saw Luke, other than the pre, the, the new trilogy, which I don't want to acknowledge, like we, I mean, I, but here's the thing: it's going to make sense in the future, which is just me so weird because they're going to be able to fill gaps, um, and that's we can discuss retconning, and but 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 it matters. But Luke became the most powerful entity, the most famous person in the galaxy, right? And and he and he was the, he's starting a Jedi school. We understand that. Like he gets this point, he had to show up, and yet because like we had talked ourselves out of it because like, and honestly Star Wars fans were asking for people you would never have known the kind of deep fan service that would have been actually wrong. Right. They earned that the most basic level of fan service also fit the plot and timeline because it's a yeah. form of Luke we'd never seen before. It was peak. I'm a Jedi master Luke. We, we didn't get to see that really like that's right. Yeah. And it also, yeah, it, it, it I think what you're saying actually does help me understand a little bit. Like, it's almost a slate of hand. When you put this much fan service into a season, then the idea that the savior who's going to come at the end, because you know it's going to come out on some high note. Yeah. And so I had just accepted that it was going to be some obscure character that I I kind of was like, oh, hey, oh, it's Boba Fett. Wow. Like, you know, like that's yeah. a oh, wow, it's Boba Fett kind of thing. But like, oh, no, shit, not only is that Luke, that's a very realistic Luke from my childhood delivering the exact, like, the, he was the exact slot, like, role to fill that slot in that moment. And they used him perfectly and just, just like, mic dropped. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, like, it's and it's so perfect that he's going to get to be the mentor for you know for the young for the yoda species it comes through, like all of it just makes the most sense and it was a it was a brilliant misdirect and now like you know like i think what is cool is you're gonna get to choose and that's gonna be okay where you what what world do you want to live in in this particular universe which is a fictional universe which yesterday you responded with me that's a problem because people do that in real life and i agree but I think we need to be okay living in fragments of fictional universes and enjoying where they are. And if we don't want to be a completist, but yeah, in our broader world, you know, it becomes problematic that we don't want to know as much as we can or that we don't, <laughs> you know, or even if we do want well, to know I mean, it, what we know, know is, I, I, is bullshit. I, I, the, pro the problem is like, you know, we need to really evaluate our, our relationship with the concept of story. Story is a huge element of living, and when you have a healthy relationship with it, you are putting yourself in front of material that challenges you, because what I believe story can do is reframe things, you know? So if, if you are thinking about an issue one way, or you are processing your emotions one way, story has a capacity to release, to change your mind, to affirm your mind in, in, in positive ways. You know, like all of these things are available to us in story. And the thing that I hate about, and that every, you know, like kind of like hoity-toity uh, artist or what have you has always complained about in terms of you've got mainstream versus indie or, or whatever. You know, the idea that the mainstream is like drinking sugar water. It's just, it's, it's you know, just straight, you know, empty calories Whereas a good, you know, like um, a, a good nutritious indie film will give you an emotional range that's larger, you know, like, and I'm not saying that blockbusters aren't capable of that. I think The Mandalorian was a was a was a great, well-told story, you know, but I, I do think that I mean, and Bill Maher has has gone on about this and I and I and so has Scorsese. And I actually kind of agree, like the generation that elected Trump, Bill Maher was like. I own, he only could have gotten elected in a in a universe where everybody's watching Star like uh, you know like Star Wars and or or more or comic book movies you know and I, I don't I think there is an element of truth to that that like we have gotten into the habit of being fed what we want to consume so thoroughly that it opens up a possibility for someone like Trump to come along and just say I will tell you exactly what you want to hear 
and on, and anybody who disagrees with me is an enemy. And and that's a scary place to be in. And I think the left is there already in a lot of important ways, not to the degree of Trump, but in some important ways. Yeah, I think they are. We're kind of getting to a place of if you challenge me, that says something about you. And 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 when you have that mentality, you're not going to be able to 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 travel emotionally or you know or intellectually anywhere. I, I just I, okay. So I haven't really I, I haven't felt that same tone since the election from the left. Like I haven't. I mean, like I think it's more just like man, Biden's just doing the same shit any other moderate would do with all his cabinet picks. It's about that. Like I think a lot of the stuff we complained about before the election is is like. Is, is not the same now. Like, I don't, I, I think the argument is now about actual people and actual things that have to happen. And so like, I don't know that it's the same, but I do think there is that problem of like, how much of the past do we have to accept as so, um, as like, well, it was okay that Obama took Obamacare as it was because Mitch McConnell wouldn't do anything. And as long, okay, Mitch McConnell's not going to do anything now. So we should just accept that Mitch McConnell's not going to do anything. Like, that setup, we're in an interesting spot right now because my idea about the left is that they were illiberal populists, just like I saw with Donald Trump. And right now you're sort of seeing the very first time, and this is shocking to me, that Trump has actually acted like a populist, like a real populist as president where he is saying, yeah. no, this corporate nonsense is bad. You know, like he's doing it for some shady reasons of his own, but look, $2,000 or, or, or go fuck yourself. And the left is suddenly saying, oh yeah, that's, that's where we're coming from. This and you have the possibility so of some horseshoe, you know, like theory actually coming to play. And it's tonal. It's tonal. That's the thing is that Trump's got the left's, tone but he's doing it on behalf of the right if he had ever tried to do it on behalf of the left i think we would have all been shocked at how quickly the left would have embraced trump that's what i kept trying just... to say it's like the yeah. part of the ethos of the american left is cooperation even with gritted teeth it's like we will cooperate our way through this problem like it's why there isn't a real like you're on like it's no why that's really, oh hold on hold on like, okay maybe we need some clarification complain, here but, but like, i believe i believe the, the the leftist critique is specifically not to cooperate now a lot of the no like, that's like, now what, the critique. we're, we're the liberal, operating with okay. vague uh the, terms here but uh but, you know okay, like, i would say the american left has not been led by leftists but liberals. Okay, sure. Okay, sure, sure. So, and so the you're left about in America, you know what the left would describe as liberals. Okay, has been to like compromise its way to success, to West Wing failure, its way to success. As leftists have sat there and been like, "Well, we're on the same, but you're just screwing up. Like you're getting mediocre health care, you're getting mediocre outcomes in Congress bills. Like you don't have to go full left." But like you got to understand that like even on a base level like most of this has been bullshit like it, like you, you could just you know like there if you're going to give help to people give it to them you know what I mean like we are putting a bunch of stuff and like the liberals feel guilty about it they buy it's, they there's a le bit of liberals who think that yeah if we give money to poor people they will you know, it's weird like but, it, he, but here's, the, here's the other thing like because because you know the media it can can also sort of control this narrative a little bit and i the the, the problem that i've always had with the left is that it, its critique was not what it thought its critique was you know like they thought that it was an intellectual critique but it was always an emotional one it was we want you to be more mad we want you to be more angry we want you to slam your fist on the table until you get what you want and in a lot of ways, what is funny is that there is also a libertarian populism, I think, that is kind of represented by me where I'm also sort of there because I'm also like I, all this corporate nonsense and everything like that. Like the, these are emotions because you feel the bloat of the federal government. You feel like they don't care about you and you have facts to back you up. But ultimately, further to be like a populist actual like sweat like you know actual uprising you have to actually acknowledge that this is this is about the emotion of 
We got too little. We got screwed over for far too long. All of this is being brought to a head by a unanimous suffering in the face of COVID. So everybody is like on edge and and too little, too late is not going to cut it. And that's not like – that's not left. That's not right. And that's not libertarian. That's people. And we we try to like fit all these things into our ideologies. But at some point, you just have to ref Re, like refit like yourself into saying oh people are just mad like we've all been pointing fingers and we were pointing fingers over the stimulus bill for all of these months and now here's this president who's just like he's got absolutely nothing to lose at this point and so he's just like saying fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna try and keep my name in the news and maybe this helps him with his coup i doubt it but you know like if nothing else he gets to like throw his weight around one last epic time in a way that actually might help people i mean i it's hard for me to believe he follows through because he just has not had this in him for four years where was this six months ago dude you would have won the election send out the check like say i will veto any bill that doesn't have two thousand dollars and mitch mcconnell's the one standing in the way also, I'll accept the results well, of the election. Expect, Trump wins in a landslide. But again, <laughs> we've been through this. You can't expect a narcissist with the deepest case of ADD, no matter how much Adderall he may or may not take, to be able to follow through on the details of this. He just shouts and then gets distracted, and then he doesn't yeah, follow up. He, and it's he just, just it's, it's a problem. Poor tact, like tactician, like awful tactician. Like again, like look at look at like the the convergence of the pardon Edward Snowden thing. It, yeah. it, that's funny, right? Again, you're kind yeah. of like realigning Trumpism, American leftism, well, libertarianism, all under the same, let's pardon Edward Snowden. You know, like, but the problem is like, none of this is consistent. None of this is consistent. Everybody fully wants the federal government to have massive powers. That's the problem. Like even libertarians do. Like it's impossible to disentangle the idea of why don't you go in and make everybody else live the way I live. It's a very difficult thing to pass up. And I think that everybody is just doing it. And we don't want to believe that we ourselves are contributing to it. So the question is, and this is going to be the Biden administration's central question, and we're going to be angry about it the whole way through. And we're going to see on the other side is, can an old dog learn new tricks? Can people learn from their mistakes? And this goes back to our discussion earlier about Marvel and Disney and Star Wars and the mistakes they may have made making the Marvel Universe getting to where they are as they create a new expanded universe and even expand the Marvel Universe, right? And now we have Joe Biden who ran the campaign that just worked even though we bitched the whole time. Like, he, like I can't... I, th- I, I it is. Well, except it was because Where, we bitched the yeah. whole time. But we're, that, like, but that was knew, what made like him attractive, it. was that people were bitching about him from the second but, he jumped in, and everybody suddenly noticed, hey, he's kind of like bulletproof the way Trump is. And, and because also, we know that the election is going to be a slime fest, maybe he can just skate through it. And I think that he has he, – he was the one for this moment, and it was, you know, like it was kind of not even close. Like he was a master – politician because in the same way of trump he had so much baggage that that you couldn't put any more weight on him he also (laughs) been through like here's the thing like trump had been through one election in his life and he got lucky and won it when he thought he was going to lose it joe biden win lose or draw has been through election after election after election and so Everyone was very, very remembering of 2016 as their prior for everything, right? Joe Biden, like, knew 2016 existed, but it wasn't his whole frame of reference. And he guided his campaign with the understanding, the deep understanding of how the cycles of the American people actually work. And, like, and I just think that that's a thing we need to, we, we need to be more conscious of if we're, like, to, like, I mean, I don't know if we can be, but like, because it's like we're being manipulated, but we have to be such, right? There's outrage cycles and there's learning cycles and there's, you know, new policies come up and all of these things happen. And I think Joe Biden, you know, maybe he can harness it because Trump had a lot of good instincts, but he didn't have a team around him of people he could trust. He had godless, you know, uh, people with their own agendas who would do what they needed to do when it aligned with Trump. It would ignore him the rest of the time. And they would undermine him every other step of the way, right? Joe Biden has a team of people he has known for for years, from the Obama administration, from his own administration, uh, time and sin, all of that. And if there's any, any value to experience and any ability to learn, we might be able to see it now. Because 
if there's not, what the hell are we doing here? Like, is our first mistake supposed to be like our last? Like, where are we supposed to learn? How? Like, and that's my problem with all of this. Like, where? Where do we evaluate from? Like it comes back to our well, first question. You know, I, I, like I'll, 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 there is the additional like element of 2020 was a year where we really reexamined our past. I think, and and I think it's good to reexamine your past a little bit, insofar as it allows you to gain new clarity of how you can move forward, learn from the past, and and move forward. But I I think that I mean I just saw a New York Times article today reexamining the tiki bar, and I feel like that's kind of like where you're critiquing society way too much because. If you go back to any point in time, you will find humans who murdered their way to get to where they were. Like, it, that's just – that's a universal truth that we can we can address inequity, but if we go overboard, then we're just inventing our own lies. And I think that when you talk about, like, crafting your future, you have to get to a place where you can find yourself in an emotional – ability to critique without following the logic of the critique into the ground where it actually becomes crazy. And I think that Biden becomes that. He becomes the crust of our old society. He will be evaluated and critiqued from every direction. And a lot of those critiques are going to be insanely stupid. But the stupidity of the critique does not really matter. What actually matters is what is it that we actually want moving forward because we are doing this in not a vacuum, but in a world that are, is going to be throwing events at us? And it, like, like the COVID event is probably going to define the Biden presidency. And so whatever we want him to dismantle or create or invent or whatever is going to be somewhat less important than how he so, uh, addresses COVID. I think I'm going to bring this, I think, and I think it's going to address, it's going to be addressed, honestly, like it's, it's, the, it is going to be a combination of vaccine. It will actually be natural. Like so many people in America have had it now. It's wild. Right. Like you're getting like it's 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 just it's it's all of that is happy. Part of the reason we got the vaccine so quickly is because it spread so quickly. They could get through the trial so fast because we were so screwed. And, um, you know, so it, I, I kept joking about this metaphor about Trump, but really it's going to be Biden in like the good ways. It's the Michael Scott presidency. He's literally from Scranton. And, and like the thing about it is Michael Scott was a better salesman than he was a boss. But there were times when he just could work with people and people worked around him because they assumed they were smarter than him. And maybe they were right. But like the difference is when you assume you're smarter than Trump, Trump's going to go do something so egotistically crazy that is going to get in the way of anything productive happening because his ego needs to be in charge. Whereas like Joe Biden, I, I haven't seen that from him. You know what I'm saying? Like he is understood that he's going to get a lot of wins by being president and everyone else can get a win. Like Pete Buttigieg, is going to run so much interference at Department of Treasury that it's Department of Transportation. Why T's are different? Department of Transportation, like it's going to be distracted minute from Pete Buttigieg. That's all he's there for. Now it might be useful because we need infrastructure badly. Maybe he'll get some stuff done, but but like there's reasons that this is happening. It's a it's a it's a old school style. It's knowing everybody. Um, can the, but it's not like, just that. It's it's also for us. You know, it's it's like okay. Trump says $2,000. Do we tag team with him or not? Are we going to yes. be so mad about everything else that we're going to not do that? And that was like, that was always what infuriated me about the left. It's like, no tag teaming. No, no they allies. Did. They were, they no anything. To. They passed like, a bunch of times. That, that's where they, but, but that, all, all of these movements are in evolution. And that's my point is that right now the left may be in a really good spot to actually do some really good stuff. And that's if we all start tag teaming with each other in our critiques of Biden. You know, like actually, like like well, you the, want me on your side. Actually, like take a moment to understand why I like individual individuality and how a lot of the modern discourse about anti-racism is a is a, a, a more or less a racist philosophy that is meant to just assert an academic's view of the world. In your opinion, because I disagree with you. Well, and, and in a lot of the opinions of minorities. And I think that the the makeup of the electorate in 2020 is a good example of that. Also, if you anecdotally talk to people, the, the, the critique that I have of the left and of Trumpism, of course, is this 
this inability to think for yourself, inability to be yourself, inability to reconcile, I disagree with this person versus I think this person is an abomination who deserves is it, is to be like thrown possible? into hellfire. Is it at all possible that we also have a problem of people ref- not actually knowing how to onboard and, and integrate new information um, at, at, at most of the time? Like, well, definitely. Like, uh, and, like oh, that's, yeah. that's the bigger issue. It's like, I don't oh, really think we're not okay. Like, I think it's a bigger thing. It's like, the, like most of the time, we're really not onboarding information correctly. We're agreeing to let people live in ignorance and in, in useless ignorance that is bad for society. And, and so that's the problem. It's like, well, but, uh, you but you know, it starts with you, man. I mean, it starts with me. You know, like it, it starts with I, 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 I can be wrong, and I, I, I can be convinced, and I, I, we gotta, we gotta have that ethos of yes, whatever you want about. to see happen in the world is one thing, and describing that thing is a very important element of persuasion. And not letting yourself get so angry at the other side. Now, I, you fight, right? We fought, I think, Trumpism, right? I think, I think in every way that I knew how, I fought Trump and I fought Trumpism. You know, like I did everything that I could. But I, I have you tried. You stabbed yourself a I don't few times with cancel culture shit, but whatever. What did you say? I said you stabbed yourself a few times on the way out with the cancel culture stuff, but whatever. I'm not going to get in that again. No, no, no. I do not agree with that at all. I completely disagree. In fact, I mean, to my mind, the cancel culture debate is suddenly the most important debate now that we've do- defeated Donald Trump. Now How? he's what's, gone. What's being canceled now? Like, I don't even see this rhetoric anymore. Like, I don't I, – I could, I could kind of see it being – ginned up before but like i haven't seen new examples of it in the world that since since the election that have been like a problem well first of all i mean sure the election has dramatically overtaken all of this and i mean you know like it's it's when the guy at the top is is refusing to accept an election result it's hard to focus on anything else and so you know yeah i think there's a little bit of you know like a ceasefire so maybe it's you know you might say in terms of the culture wars but no, I mean, I think it's a huge problem because I mean, because I think it's tied to depression. I think it's tied to our, our, our emotional happiness. I think it's tied to, I mean, COVID has isolated people. And I think that that problem is very much a part of cancel culture because it sways into, it flows into, are we connecting with each other? Are we reaching out? Do we care? Do, like, because I think a lot of Trump voters right now feel genuinely like they are reviled by quite a lot of America and they're not necessarily wrong because they've but- heard you say all the words you've ever said sorry like if you if you listen to but the you intro, think I'm I think the like problem. Two, you I, think I, I'm I, I, like, like to, you to, go. So we both go so hard. I just used to one of our. But that's the point. Like, that's the point. Like yeah. is that I don't think like I, I think that Trump was a master at taking offense in cases where he didn't need to take offense. Like you know the classic example is you know the fact that we defeated him in an election is bullying. That's what has informed me is I my tone was never going to be calm enough to convince these Trump voters that I was being respectful. They needed to be called out. They were blanketed in the field with quantity of argument, not quality. And so you, you had to just – you had to roll the mud with them. But I am not doing that now. And yeah, look, did I burn some bridges? I'm sure I did. I mean that's, that's what the nature of a fight is. But you can reconstruct bit bridges. You can re you can re connect with people and just recognize that on some level you like justice right, doesn't right. exist you, for kind of for these kinds of bad decisions and, and you're and i think you're right about all of that and i think what you were observing as cancel culture and what was getting toxic and we've talked about this in our other podcast was the fact again it came from the top but it's all of us like when you can't fix the top and there's no release for the the steam going up and there's no chance for change it gets inward and it gets toxic and so what started is like college campuses and you know grifterism and all that just turned into um you know a bunch of people getting cx critiques about language as if they knew them and using them like godless assholes while uh a bunch of people were being godless assholes um and none of us could have a real conversation and i think darwin what will happen is that goes away because the need to be right changes in a world where Things can change where there's like yes. capacity. And so I think it changes now. I, I think it naturally and, but, but also, so, evolves. You know, if you can kind of like 
I feel like the Trump voters that I I was talking with, they wanted the clash, and I think that's they why. Did. Oh, they did. You know, they like did. if did. I was, it, you know, it, it, if if you say, well, I'm not going to accept the result of the election. If I say, well, I love you, and you, we can agree to disagree. I feel like that makes them disrespect me. I I don't they like do. that. This do. is how my read on them, but that is my read so on this, them. So this this you goes know, back like, to so, sometimes you just have to tell people they're full of shit. And this what, this, <laughs> what talk, this goes back to what I was talking about with the left versus lib, liberals and the left versus leftist in the ethos this is this west wing brain thing we have going on which is overly analytical i understand everyone's position compromise the middle um but in a way that makes everyone feel as though they've been patronized and <laughs> cut out of the process mm-hmm. all while you feel like you have done something good in compromising for everyone so yeah. the right feels condescended to the left feels cut out the middle feels and like this is this West Wing brain problem. I've been loving this podcast. I'm a huge West Wing fan, but like it has created in order to watch a drama that had to show quote unquote all sides written by one person's brain for the first four seasons, really, like it warps the way we think about the system, especially those like in power. Like there's and, like, but the thing is, like the West Wing brain probably was the right brain to have in the 1990s because in even with 24 hour cable news. Most of what was happening was still completely mysterious to the American people in Washington, D.C. But now that is no longer the case. Like, like, I think the reason that I'm excited for a Biden presidency is maybe we get some more backroom deals. You know, maybe people get a bridge to nowhere in in, in, in support, like in exchange for supporting someone. We might need more of that, you know, like we we print the money. Guys, it, we, we can't to, like yeah. we, we can't have an entire a political establishment that is only thinking about their constituents when what their constituents are thinking about is only what the narrative that has been delivered to them dishonestly by by a mainstream media that that cashes in on it. Like sometimes we need relationships to be managed in isolation. You Voters know, like, need to get <laughs> selfish. Like we need to get small s selfish about our communities like we need to be making sure the government hands back the cash they don't need because we give them the printing press the state of texas does not get to print its own money amarillo doesn't get to print its own money doesn't get to borrow at those rates does not get to do any of that like we need to demand that they take care of us and when people go to washington and they bring home pork for us or it goes somewhere else that's got to be okay because as long as it's spent inside the united states of america it really helps our economy and keeps the money flowing like we have yeah, to we have, like, I mean, can't just break this idea. A little, a little. Yes, I, I mean, no, I, I, like, there's an extension of that where I, I, I might no, disengage. Like, but in principle, like relative to how it's happening now, like the idea that they had this six thousand like page bill that came that they they released at one p.m. and then voted on at eight p.m. is astonishing and shocking, and we we should all feel. Like, no, like Darwin, there's no, that, there's not know? even a case for austerity anymore. This entire thing, the country would be so screwed right now if we hadn't passed the first stimulus bill. Like people would be robbing each other in the streets at this moment. Businesses would have full force shut down. Like even as bad as it was, it does not matter. And people have to get past this idea of looking for perfection. Truth is, like there's no such thing. You could literally yeah. drop helicopter money down. Like, but but the, the problem is, better. like it, 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 that's why you don't have debates i mean justin amash he's he he, i I have really been um thriving off of his commentary on twitter and i I feel like he is just roasting this entire process and he was calling for thousand or two thousand dollar a month checks from the beginning so you know like and and it's the reason you don't have deliberation on the floor is because the audience isn't the isn't the senate floor the audience is you the audience is is I I I want my I want to get rerun on cable news. I want to get I want to get likes. I want to get shares. I want to I want I want people to know that I'm on their side. And because so much of this is tribal, and so much of this is the second that Mitch McConnell recognizes that Biden won the presidency, suddenly he's out of Trump world. You know, like it, like that attitude needs to stop. We all need to disengage from these parties and use them as tools to better ourselves because is with a with a healthy national consciousness meaning 
We stop with the racism that that Trump voters have absolutely brought fully fledged like and just dropped like a lead balloon on on U.S. politics, like just as a big fuck you to the rest of us. Um, And we need to stop with cancel culture, which is the deliberate misinterpretation of everything that everybody is saying. We need to take olive branches as olive branches, no matter where they come from, and start working together to actually put pressure. And this $2,000 a month thing might be an example of that. Like, Like if you can just hold hands and say... We may disagree on other things, but this we agree on. We can score wins for the American people, you know? Like, we just and, don't and, agree and we on need more the, of that. People do not want you to be helped. Look at the oh, – he's a fucking asshole. And he can, I'm not going to say his name because he doesn't deserve it. He should stop being your friend on Facebook. He's your dumbest friend on Facebook. And he writes shit like, how about you give away half your money, Darwin? Because he's a fucking <laughs> idiot. And I'm sorry, but this person has not thought through anyone else's idea of why you would have a social safety net. Like, just give away your money. No, we have a government that we gave powers away our own powers for a reason to help me as an individual like at times like it has to work both ways like this is not government is of the people and by the people it is what we face and shape it to be and we are accepting old narratives and like i i just can't say this enough we are all the slaves almost all of us and including me every time i try to break the bonds of it the slaves to the ideas of dead economists we do not know or have not thought through in context of the present day almost any of the economic principles which we're like going and dying on hills for and 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 even as stats and modern economic measures and everything has improved and we've learned and there are new ideas somebody's going to tell me about fucking milton friedman or, you know, Hyatt. <laughs> well, and, the, and like, the problem with a, problem. You know, a lot of these is that the theory of economics is in many ways the theory of society because you're trying to predict human behavior. You say if you if you press this lever, people will do X. If you put a gas station that's selling gas for $1.99 next to a gas station that's selling gas for $1.98 – Everybody's going to go to the you know gas station for a dollar ninety eight, but that's not how people really no. work all of the time. And a lot of the times, if you tell people you're going to go to the gas station at one ninety eight, they're going to say "fuck you." I'm going to the one ninety nine. You're going to say I don't understand why you just did that, and they and 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 they're going to say, "Well, exactly." People hate to to be named. They hate to be like thought to be understood it's the number one thing like like if you want to get an irrational response like like an irrationally angry response from somebody it doesn't matter who they are or where they're coming from tell them you know what they think they will be so mad at you and that's that's why economics is so hard and why it is difficult and you know so so right now again you got this horse truth theory the republicans try to rein in the fed spending because they don't want the fed going through quantitative easing for the next four years. And I think they ended up kind of like watering that down to where it's, you know, like, you know, kind of non-existent. But if you have the the Fed handing out free money only at the top where it's all, like you, you're getting these these loans for almost free and, and it's like, guess who that benefits? It so does not angry. cycle you know down and it creates you know inflation for the rest of us. You know, like uh, yeah. what? You know who wants to do better and knows it's a problem and is trying to fix it on behalf of people for once? The Fed. And you know who's getting in the way of the Fed trying to help the people? Like, actually, like, Jerome Powell's like, you have to do this. Like, we are, like, Jerome Powell has understood that the Fed, as it has been constructed, is not sustainable and has, like, not sustainable for, it is only helping the rich. It is not actually helping the American people. There's been so many changes, so many things about it. If you let capitalism run right you, like with the proper safety, if you let it run as hot as it did during the well, part yeah, of the Trump with the proper safety, you know, like take take the rails off, but then add Adds, money, yeah, like like add add, safety, like add, send add the money the out, people. you know, like like I, we had another friend who said, you know, like I don't really need this money. I'm like, good. Like if if all the Fed was doing was sending out lots of checks, the it's people fine. who didn't need it would probably have someone in their life who did. Then they w- might turn around and just give it to them. You know, yes. like like or or you or you might invest it into things that you like in your community. Like returning power to the individual is something that I I believe in culturally. Yeah, but make I think it a tax credit. It's something like, that me, it's the option. You know, give well, me the option you know, of tax credit. I think tax credits are a little bit weird, especially for well, like, just, you know, like, if I don't want to take it, if I'm going to take it, if I'm going to pay a bunch of income tax later and you're going to say, Hey, here's $2,000. You're not going to pay a check later. Fine. That's all it should be. Like most people would rather have that. Right. Like I, they, or, you know, I, I don't need a $2,000 check right now, but I also don't want to pay a $2,000 check later. 
Well, you know? sure. Like, I'm, I'm sure there are bureaucratic logistics that might make the might might you know. Look, look. Your yeah, tax account society, has two thousand dollars in it. Use how you want. You know what I mean? It's not but hard. I, I, I do believe we may actually need to turn to dead economists, especially now, and not necessarily take their prescriptions numerically, but to take their attitudes. You know, like if you if you separate oh, wow, the. Wrong. I like, well, I, mean, I, like, I, I think it's more, that's like the thing I critique the most. So Karl think, Marx's attitudes yeah, were okay. were you know like str- like were, are what informing the a, well, a lot yeah, of the modern okay. leftist movement. You know, like his prescriptions, um, I think, were wildly off in terms of pre- like predicting how human beings would respond to it. But it's not as though labor conditions you were know terrible. Correct? In <laughs> what? You know who is actually correct? We just ignore it. Is Adam Smith? Like, well, yeah, it, it, like, even before, Adam Smith. like, because Adam Smith saw the you problems know, that were going to and happen. Hayek and Friedman. Well, no, no, okay, no, 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 no. Because like, I, like I would say, no, let me, can I explain this though? Because no, okay. those two people were not correct. Those two people saw slices no. of it. They like Hayek. The, the, Hayek no, could nail the, the problem with the centrally planned economy. About and so our critique, many things. our critique is the Hayek critique that a centrally no, planned no, no, economy. No, 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 Hayek not, was <laughs> trying to preserve his family's wealth in Austria and didn't believe in democracy. Hayek was brilliant about the fact that people didn't know enough, but that's just a Smithian idea taken out to the extreme. What Smith got right was human nature, which had to be factored into every single uh, interaction, and that you had to care about the moral sentiments of people and that the way you're going to get to and we call it conscious consumerism now but it will be educated consumerism and that you're going to flatter the wealthy who make more money to give back it is a combination you can't tax it away he knew that and you cannot do other things you're going to have to make people demand better demand organic demand vegan demand sustainable farming like this is a process much like making a season of a tv show we're in the middle of and i think that the old smithian critiques are naturally coming out, but they're just being obscured by a lot of other crap because they're called leftist or they're called Marxian or whatever. Well, but, but yeah, it's true. And but the other important element of the Smithian critique is the sticking point, and it's I think what we have to consistently educate ourselves about is the importance of private ownership as a as a mechanism for the economy. The the the, the reality is. That that is a thing that strikes a lot of people, understandably, as unfair, and it creates a, a a desire to see it like cleansed from the world. Oh, if we if we have no private ownership, then we suddenly will will be released from the bonds of capitalism, and it's, that, that that has never been true. It has no, never. I, I also don't e- hear that critique from the left. Is very. I don't. I, I mean, I don't see. I think again, this is where I think American. Left and people have evolved. Well, like, I'm critiquing the absolute purest form of it. Yeah, sure, right, right, so, right, right. Know, That's fair. Right. So, like, but like again, we've had this discussion before. I don't think the right because they're not trying to argue in good faith sometimes because they want to win elections. We all <laughs> oh, argue. Oh, you think? I, <laughs> right. I, uh, but like, I like private property. I like my house. I like having private property. I think we all have a better system when we can all have private property with which we value and take care of together in a communal system because like my stuff doesn't exist by itself and we are losing that understanding of it right like we're, we're like i it, or, and there's also no and they said they're like oh the left just wants to take i was like no no no, no. the left likes it bernie sanders likes his houses like you know like again you're not going to go give half your money away that's not the point of this you know, it's not that's what we're talking about. That's stupid. It's the logic of a toddler. Yeah, these are kind of abstract concepts in some yeah. ways. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're you own your house only insofar as you can convince the police to come defend it against, you know, Antifa right. or what have you. Like, I don't you know, like, but like you're also making assumptions about your enemy there or, or, or what, you know, like. And so a lot of this is, you know, at some point you got to negotiate. You got to make a deal. And that's, I think, where Trump did not know how to make a deal. He didn't know how to deal with the populist who might be able to, like, be willing to come to his side. He only ever knew how to incite. And I think that he just, it had worked for him so often. And he had enough people who were kind of, like, following along and enjoying the Trump show. that They, 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 they developed a mythology over how many people 
weren't being fucking agitated by this but shit. But he also you know? violated like, the number one rule of politics. Or, well, number one rule. Who knows? And biggest one, you have to be able to, to kill someone one day and work with them the next day. Like, the thing is, like, you can be angry at that person and, like, they can be mad at you, but the next bill is a different bill. Nancy Pelosi has worked with everybody. Mitch McConnell and Biden have worked with everybody. The thing is, like, your enemy one day is your ally the next on Capitol Hill because it's an infinite game of get your constituents what they need. And we have lost sight of that. You know who knows that for sure? Joe Biden. Will he be able to convince everyone else to be on that same correct page? I have no idea. Will we be able to be mature enough to, to, to do it ourselves, I, to, 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 to live in the uncertainty as we get through it. I don't know because we critique everything in the moment and while it's all process. And that's the well, way I want to solve this yeah. question. And, and we're, we're like, we're, we're still in the world of conflict. And I think that that's the problem is that like so much of, of political power these days seems to be who can be the biggest bastard on online on, on, you know, on Capitol Hill. That's why I think that like, you're going to see the questioning of, of, of Joe Biden's legitimacy. I mean, like Newt Gingrich just released an article today, you know, say like saying that he will never accept Joe Biden as president. It's because, you know, he's, he knows he's going to get clicks. You know, it was so funny. I, I, I took the screen grab. I'll, I'll text it to you on Newsmax because I was, I was looking. I was like, how are, they, how are they dealing with all of this? And they released one of those, like, you know, clarifications on Dominion voting systems. You know, like, oh, like in Smartmatic. And it was like, oh, we, we have, there is no evidence. There is no evidence. And then there were these ads sandwiched in between the paragraphs of should Trump concede, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, and you see they're, they're playing like Newt Gingrich, Ted Cruz, all these people, they are just mercilessly playing to this base that just eats this shit up. And, and until that trend is gone, and I don't know that it is ever going to be gone, the rest of us kind of have to be in fight mode too. The question is where, where, where can we actually like, you know, like stretch a little bit. Where can we de-escalate? Because that's my goal. Like I, I have claws out because you have claws out. I will retract them as you retract, but that only goes as far as you can accept the results of a free and fair election, which is the, the, the core element on all of this is that we abstract a lot of our disputes at, out to the ballot box. You know, if you no longer accept the ballot box, you, it's, it's hard to get along with you. All right. And, and, you know, and there's a lot of that we're going to, I think we will, we're coming to the end of the beginning of this, like this, this is a, I actually have thought a long time, even when Obama was elected, we're actually closer to like the beginning of the last century cycle and the flu is in the 19, 19, 20 you know, timeline, you know, we're going to have a roaring twenties potentially again, coming back because people are so pent up and like, we're somehow we're we are sweeping past another great depression right now because of all the stimulus money. But again, we had to learn. Now, will we have another great depression? Like, if we don't fix this right, will we have another great depression at the other end of this, you know, um, an actual one. Or are we smart enough to realize that a great depression is a mental decision? It is a decision not to help one another. If we can make the food and give it to people and give them the jobs and or any number of things, if we have the resources, we can do it. But, and trust them. Trust yeah. them. That, that, that's yes. why private private ownership is good is because it, it, it gives you some skin in the game and it gives people some skin in the game to, 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 to it, you know, enhance their own lot in life such that it compels you out into the world to, to, to create agreements with people. And those agreements, those bonds are built on trust, built on a, a, this sort of game of capitalism, but it's a beautiful game when it can be re managed. And, but, but, the, but, but, but the ones who are doing this, if you're a capitalist, here's, my, here's, here's what I, I think you need to do and do it for your own good. Negotiate. Stop drawing a line on the sand and say, I get all the marbles or you go fuck yourself. <laughs> Most of them Learn are. Learn to negotiate. You know, the like, and round the table first has. part of that is accept that Trump's gone. Accept well, that Trump's gone. Just the business community it. isn't behind him. The, business, the real business community isn't behind him. They have accepted. The business roundtable, like, decentralized the Milton Friedman shareholder uh, evaluation during the middle of the Trump presidency. They're realizing and they're acting like my number one rule is correct, which is first prevent the pitchforks. And it should mm -hmm. be because we're getting much closer. Yeah. And yeah. they realize they're going to have to keep playing this game for the long term. And they're getting better at it. And that's because our top talent is going to these corporations. And they're and they, uh, uh, But 
it's just so many things like corporations are not people, but they are filled with people in a society we all have to live in. And we're maybe beginning to like ginger snap the idea that we can live in vacuums that we can just get everything we want in our lives without thinking about the consequences of what it takes from everybody else. Cause I say it's anywhere and always about resources. Well, if I have something you don't, and that's not, it isn't necessarily zero sum because we can create greater amounts, but, and we do, we've, we've done away with a lot of scarcity. Yeah. But then but, if you end up yeah. with all the water, then, then, and, and okay. I, and I and, yeah. die of thirst then, you know, like the I, whole game doesn't really mean much to me. You and, know? I think like, we have a re- and I think we have a real opportunity here. And this is where I kind of want to close out thinking about it is I think, and this is where I think why we're so American is we're about to see a bunch of companies broken up in America, both on their own and by the courts. And you know what we're not saying? We're not saying nationalize them. We're saying, Google, you're going to be five companies now doing a bunch of different things. Amazon, you're going to be a bunch of things. You're going to have a bunch of different shareholders able to give that value back to a bunch of different people and not like just the government, right? And so you're going to be able to like use and enforce a new brand of capitalism that is actually just how you win at Monopoly. You should try to create a company that gets broken up because it's too big. Like, it's okay. That's creating efficiencies. And you can make a choice potentially at that point. Do you want to become a public utility, you know, or do you want to be broken up and let those shareholders compete in new ways? Ma Bell created so many things. You know, Standard Oil created so many things. Amazon's going to create a, a just a massive ecosystem. And that's, I think, our way through this. But I, I, I think that there was a, it's beginning to change now, but like I genuinely... We're hitting the, that part in Marx's critique of like the hyper wealth, but with people who are aware of the critique. You know, the only one who I think isn't aware of the critique is Mark Zuckerberg. The only person in this like try in this like him and him and Peter Thiel and like though like they don't seem to get it. But Google gets I, it. I actually disagree with you. I I think um, I put Mark over over Dorsey in terms of his read on society. I think Marx actually, um, I think he's vaguely libertarian. Um, you I don't know, think like, that's a good uh, thing. I don't think that's a good thing from these well, companies. Uh, okay, but I'm saying like, I feel like he's actually, he strikes me as being fairly culturally liberal, but just, you know, like uh, is aware of, I think that people want Facebook to do more than He's a dehumanizing to person. Do. It's not about politics. I think that you should probably break Instagram off of Facebook because there is a sort of like a, you know, if Facebook owns Instagram, then you just got pretty much Facebook, Twitter, and and Google isn't even really a player in the social media scene. You know, like you you do need, I think, to have like uh, this New York Post story, I feel like was a great example of the the fact that they censored that story is coming back to bite us right in the ass, just like I said it would. You know, um, Facebook was better about it than Twitter was, but if you had three different companies that were kind of like immediately making that call, which maybe Instagram isn't quite in that ecosystem as much, but I think you do need a little bit more competition at this, you know, stage of the game. And I think that, you know, between Snapchat, WhatsApp, you know, Instagram, Facebook did snap up pretty much everything, all the services that we're using. And that, that is, uh, that right. is just uh, kind of, right. I, get, I just, I'm thinking as far as his actual actions and making changes and making decisions, I think Mar- I, I wasn't even considering Dorsey because he's not really on their level. Like he's close. He's a, he's a, that's, I'm talking about the real ones that matter are Apple and, Fa- and, and Amazon and like Facebook matters a lot, but like, it's nothing like Amazon matters. Amazon is the behemoth of the behemoths, like, and so is Apple. And they're, and and like these companies need, they're going to. Well, I think actually the Elizabeth Warren critique where, you know, like the, the Amazon basics where they basically, they, they use their data to figure out, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, like I, I buy like Amazon basics batteries, you know, like I don't buy Energizer or anything like that, you know? And so they're, 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 they're making it extremely hard to compete with them at scale now, in a way that, it, yeah, I mean, I do think that spending off that business, yeah, some of these antitrust you know critiques, have I do, do hope that Biden pursues us, some of them, but I just, I worry that the more the government reaches in to break up these trusts, like, given the modern ethos of, like, the West Wing Democrats mixed with the authoritarian left, I do, I, I feel like there's a lot of ways that these anti, that these trust bustings could go 
It's not going to be wrong. I don't you know, think they like, will. They're not going to be handled like that. They're handled by lawyers. They're not handled by politicians. There's a big difference. Like the laws, like it's not, Congress isn't going to break them up. Like the SEC has laws. The FC, like they, they all have their own sets of, like these are what these agencies do and they're going to be okay doing it. And like, the other part is a lot of these companies are going to do it themselves and they've been held back from it because the truth is there was a lot of good things that happened by consolidating this much wealth and power and like efficiency together. You needed to let the, the you need to let the monster grow before you split it apart a little bit because there's yeah, going to be, you I, know, and, and that's where we are. And, and like, and so it's not politicians who are going to do this. I'm not concerned. No one's taking this. And like no one in America thinks nationalizing Facebook is a good decision. Not even the left thinks government run Facebook is a good idea. You know what I do think should have to happen? They should offer everyone an ad free subscription. I could pay for every single service should have to offer an ad free subscription model. Like, or a data free subscription model. I can pay for it now. And it should be somewhat affordable or whatever, but like, I, that's what you would like. Yeah, to say. I, I think that we sh- we do need to get into the habit of subscription models more, and you know, like which is kind of one of the reasons that I really like UBI is because I feel like a lot of the you know like the better decisions for our economy moving forward would be one in which we all have you know like pocket change that we know is coming in every month that yeah. we can send to subscription models. I mean that would that alone I think would would filter a lot of this through our society. But and you know, look, man, end, I, I, I feel like this is all Darwin about letting the monster grow. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, letting uh, the monster we'll grow. More to it. Whether it's grow goo or Facebook, the monster shall grow. But maybe eventually it needs to be taught to use the force, or else it will be a danger to society. And well, th- thus, with the Patreon, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is the awkwardest way to introduce the, look, the you know, like we have a Patreon, look, yeah. That we're okay, going to be adding stuff to different things. Yeah, I, here, here's here's my contribution to the Patreon. If we get the Patreon going, I've been working on my list of fifty. I, I that will allow me to 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 kick back up with releasing that list. I've gotten and 10 it'll be behind the Patreon um, wall. Yeah, and yes, behind the Patreon wall and the upcoming list of the top ten works of art of 2020, which I am kind of scared to release because I'm pretty sure I'm going to piss every single human being alive off with the list that i currently have so if you want to do that don't ever listen to him on that you all know but this. you all do know pay how much do pay be any to, this. to piss everyone off like no but i do think but no guys we want to we want to improve this show we want it we've taken six years of our lives learning how to do this and i think we can improve like we will sometimes do just the two of us but we're going to try to have guests more often uh, you know find us on facebook Find us on Spotify. Find us on uh, on Apple. Tell your friends about us. Please share us. If you like this community, if you want to hear things, you know, this is what we want to do because it's going to allow us to, to create and give back and, and just and to think, man. And, like, I don't think we're most people are given enough space to think. And I don't want you to think like me. I don't want you to think like Darwin. I want you to hear us and start thinking for yourself. And I don't know if Darwin – I believe Darwin sees it the same way. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, completely. That's that's the whole point. That's why we do what we do. I mean, like, there's no there's no greater gift to another person than the gift of self. You know, like that's that. Like, I want you to be better. I want you to be more you. I want you to feel more comfortable in your skin. I want you to feel more comfortable expressing, you know, the dark thoughts that are on your mind or the or the happy thoughts that are on your mind. But just, I want you to feel like you have a place in the world. And that's, I think, the 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 hard thing that makes us detach from one another. You know, like, and and especially now, especially as isolated as we are all feeling, to connect again is to is to is to wade through the the scary stuff. You know, and because we're all kind of, frankly, a little terrifying. If you got to know what we're all actually like, I don't think we'd like each other all that much, you know, like, but we, we, we manage, we try, you know, we, we do our best. Eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think, we'll, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. Learning to live and learning to accept and learning to ask the right questions. Cause all we're doing is like setting expectations and then judging whether we met them or not uh, in every moment, you know, on big and small levels. Right. And, and we're happier not based on it. And maybe we could find ways to set those expectations to acceptance, you know, to like mm-hmm. acceptance with a, like, and that doesn't mean blind acceptance. That doesn't mean be stupid, 
but it doesn't mean respond in anger at the moment. And when you do respond in anger, and this is me too, because I post as well, think for a second, like, like we are not going to be able to live into a better reality until we have a little bit of acceptance of the reality we currently live in. Because if we don't, every change will be a change from a place of a lie and, and won't be sustainable, in my opinion. And so that's that's all I have for today, everyone. I really look forward to keeping this going. So, Lofty Darwinism. See you, everybody.